Welcome to the Soul Service Podcast. I'm your host and soul-centered leadership coach, Anastasia Burtnick. If you are a spiritual seeker looking to learn, grow, and make deep and lasting change in your life, you are in the right place, my friend. I'll be serving you up juicy topics on soul work, relationships, purpose, power, and everything in between. Together, we are going to dive deep into our hearts and souls so you can live your best life ever. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Soul Service Podcast. You are tuning in with me, your host, Anastasia Burtnick. Now, before I introduce today's amazing guest, I want to remind you that I have spots open for my spiritual life coaching. So what we do is we build a beautiful foundation together that is based on spiritual principles so that you can learn to lead yourself, your life from your soul. No more listening to outside influences. You're going to learn how to listen to your soul, how to connect with spirit. And then I am going to help teach you how to identify, heal, and move through blocks and resistance that come up in your life so that not only do you have deep support while you're doing so much healing work with me together, but then you can continue to do this work on your own because let's face it, you're not going to work with me for the rest of your life. But I want to give you that amazing and beautiful foundation so you can really heal really up-level your life and create the life and business that you want. We are going to do so much together, including energy healing and emotional healing. You are going to completely transform your life. So if you are feeling called to do any of this work, you're feeling called to dive deeper into your soul, you want to connect with yourself You want to learn more about masculine and feminine energies, tapping into a healthy drive and basking in that magical feminine flow, reach out to me and we'll hop on a call and see if my coaching is right for you. And if it's not, then I will point you in the direction that you need to go so that you can get the most out of your healing journey. So without further ado, I would like to introduce today's guest, Jenny Ryerson. Jenny is a human design coach who uses human design to really help guide and mentor women so that they can fully embrace and step into who they are here to be. After finding the modality of human design, she knew it was the platform that she needed to use to reach as many people as possible and really help them on a deep level. Jenny is also a mom of three who lives in Southern California and Oh, she is just an amazing, amazing woman. She will light you up while you listen to this episode. And she gives you so much real, relatable, easy to digest knowledge all about human design. All right. So let's dive in. Hi, Jenny. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? I am so great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to share human design with everyone. And this opportunity is so fantastic. A great way to reach a lot of people. That's awesome. I'm so excited that you're here. So I would like to get to know you a little bit more. Can you tell me just a little bit about yourself and your journey and how you came into human design? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've always been very spiritual and felt very connected to like the spiritual world. Um, When I was younger, it was more in the form of like religion. And then as I kind of got older, I kind of developed my own beliefs and, um, you know, different different modalities kind of spoke to me. Certain ones didn't really speak to me. And then I was actually listening to a podcast a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why it's so great that I now get to share human design on a podcast because that's actually how I found it. And so um, I was listening to a podcast and some of the th- things that they were talking about really resonated with me. And I was like, wow, that sounds really interesting. And so then I just kind of dove in and I just started learning more about it. And all of a sudden, the, mod- the modality of human design just 
made so much sense to me, absolutely more sense than pretty much anything I'd ever studied. You know, um, I was, I'm into, I'm into crystals. I'm into um, different, you know, personality tests, different way, you know, meditation, all these things, but just human design came along. And when I started researching it for myself, it just gave me this permission to step into who I was. And I mm -hmm. just knew instantly that, that, that this was a modality that I needed to share with the rest of the world. So these little snippets that I got on these podcasts just really dove me deep into this. And it's just that permission aspect of it. It's recognizing, oh my gosh, these things that maybe were told to me that were flaws um, previously or things that society mm -hmm. might have told me were wrong. And I could actually step into them and be like, no, I'm looking at my blueprint of my soul, basically. And through that, I can be like, no, you no longer get to tell me that I'm too emotional. That's my superpower. That's how I connect with the world. You no longer get to tell me that this trait is negative because this is how I was born to be and being able to give that gift to others. It's really funny because uh, human design is, is really based in astrology, but astrology itself didn't really speak to me. When I tried to study it or dive into it, it didn't speak to me as much as human design did. And so just really having that, that permission aspect is what drew me so intensely to human design to where I knew that I need to share this with as many people in the world as possible. And through that community that I read, everybody that I read, everybody that I connect with, everybody that already studies human design, they all have that same thing. It's that permission to step into who you are because in a society like we live in, we're given so many rules spoken and unspoken. Mm -hmm. And this is a way to take our power back and just all the things that maybe we were made to feel bad about or that didn't make sense or that didn't fit into the roles that we were given in our life. It gives us, you know, we can take that back. That's amazing. I love your journey through that. And I love that it was a podcast that started. I know. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to my girlfriend yesterday about this and I was just like, and she was like, I don't think you ever told me. She's like, are you going to talk about how you found human design? And I was like, yeah. She goes, I don't think you told me. I'm like, I actually found it on a podcast. And she goes, oh my gosh, what a full circle moment. I said, absolutely. It really yeah. is. So I'm glad to be able to share it on this platform. Oh, well, I'm so glad you're here. Like, this is going to be so good. Um, I actually had a, a, a reading with Jenny, um, probably a couple of months, I think a couple of months ago now. Mm -hmm. And, oh, it was so good. The way that Jenny explains everything is just mm, so much deeper than anything I've ever experienced. And I just have like this fuller understanding. So I can't wait to actually dive into everything with you. Oh, I appreciate that so much. Um, as a projector, which is what I am, we'll probably go into the different types. So as a projector, yeah. just hearing that, um, we actually, we really do crave that validation. It's not that we need it, but it lets us know we're on the right path. And so when to hear those kind of words of affirmation, it really means so much to a projector like myself. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm sending you so much love and validation and everything right now. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> you can receive that. <laughs> I do receive. I receive it all. <laughs> oh, perfect. And just tell me a little bit more about just who Jenny is as a person too, because you're not just um, human design. No, I'm not just human design. <laughs> um, I am Jenny. I am a mom of three. Um, I am married. My husband is in the military. Um, mm -hmm. He's currently stationed in Korea right now. So we are long distance. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to be an entrepreneur for a while now and I've done a couple of different businesses and so this is kind of where I'm at my kids are all in school so I really get to focus on my desire to help other people um, mm -hmm. and this is this is the way that I'm doing it it I, I launched my business a little over a year and a half ago and I really thought the human design aspect was going to be the final piece yeah. um, and it ended up being the first piece it ended up being actually everything now everything I thought my company was going to umbrella it's not that and it really is just this funnel of human design so I guess I am just human design <laughs> I'm just kidding I'm not um, I um, I have a lot of actually other interests and stuff a lot of them are spiritual based you know I, I am really into meditation I'm really into learning and growth. Um, I'm, if there's a course, I'm probably taking it. Um, so I just have a lot of purpose here in this world to be living as my highest self and showing others that too. I think it's 
really important to kind of be a bridge. I think a lot of times with spirituality, you have people talking about these really in-depth concepts and they can be really intimidating for people who want to get their feet wet or are feeling mm -hmm. called to a spiritual path. And so I really try and keep it light. Like my business is my, the, my umbrella company is called enlighten the F up and it kind of is a play on, you know, enlightenment, but not taking it too seriously. Yeah. And so that's me. I'm, I'm a big jokester. I, I love laughing. I love just having fun, not taking life too seriously, you know, finding the joy in everything, being positive. Um, those are all things that are all really important to me. Amazing. I had no idea that you'd had businesses before this one. That's so cool. And like <laughs> the fact that you you're doing this and you're a mom and, and your husband is in the military and right now he's overseas, like, wow, like you are so strong and I, I so honor you for the journey you've been on and just how much commitment and drive you've put into all of this. Cause that can be so difficult. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, it's, it's one of those, you know, old, old, cliches of like, oh, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. And that's yeah. really, that's really how I view this. I don't feel, I don't feel like it's a pressure or a drain to show up and do this. I feel privileged when people trust me to share this information with them because it is a really amazing, um, space and clarity that people can get from, from doing these human design readings and just diving into their chart on their own and everything that comes with it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's dive into human design. Get right. into the juicy bits. Let's do it. <laughs> so, Jenny, what is human design? Um, so human design actually is based on a bunch of different modalities kind of smushed together. So okay. we have, I mentioned already, like a, it, it's heavily based in astrology. Um, there's lots of prevalence of the um, Kabbalah system, the ancient mm -hmm. I Ching. We've got quantum physics in there. Um, we've got... Um, I swear I'm forgetting one of the modalities that's smushed in there, but it's like a hodge. Oh, the chakras, obviously the chakra system. That's the one I was forgetting. Um, but instead of a seven system chakra system in human design, we have nine. And basically human design is a, a combination of these modalities because we take the things that are going to move us into the future of humans. And so what's going to continue to be true in all of these modalities that's going to help us evolve into future human self. And I don't mean like tomorrow or 10 years, I mean hundreds of years as yeah. we kind of go in this wave of human patterns from um, passive to reactive, you know, to all those different states. And so taking mm -hmm. those things that work. And so all of these theories, all of these modalities have been around for hundreds of years. This is just mm -hmm. a new way of looking at them. Oh, that's so cool. I had no idea that human design was actually based in so many different modalities and, and everything. Like I, I thought it was just kind of one thing, but it's, yeah. it's a lot of things. Yeah. It's a lot of things that are going to kind of take us into the future of, of human nature, human behavior and human patterns. So mm -hmm. that's so cool. <laughs> so, so I'm curious, I don't know if you have an answer for this, but, um, let me see if I can phrase this properly, but I'm so curious as to how human design works. Like how does it kind of map out your soul? So when you're looking at a human design chart, for those of you that you obviously are listening to this, but um, if you pull up your human design chart, it looks like, it literally looks like a body graph. It looks like a map of a human design. It looks like a human form with just these centers and these gates and channels and these pathways and each of those gates represents a characteristic. And so if the gate is, called, we call it colored or defined on your chart, that's a characteristic that belongs to you. You own that characteristic. And mm -hmm. that is the way you show up. That is, it, it, it includes your conscious and your subconscious personality characteristics. And those are the things that are you at the, mm -hmm. at the core with no conditioning that's the other thing that's huge in human design is conditioning anywhere where there's not that color or that definition. There's the, um, the possibility for exterior influence, whether it's environmental, so where you are at that moment, or it's your upbringing, things that have been put on you. And the whole purpose of human design is to learn what is not you so you can decondition it and use it as a learning tool and to gain wisdom and insight on how to interact with the other, I'm using air quotes, but you guys can't see that the other <laughs> meaning how we interact with other people, but also how we show up as ourselves. So 
if it's in your chart, it's your true self. If it's, mm. if it's white in your chart, that's where you can have conditioning and you need to recognize that that's societal pressures, that's energies from other people that you're taking on. And so having that knowledge, it really helps you again, back to what I said before, step into who you are meant to be and using this as a blueprint, you're giving yourself permission, all those things. Like if I can share an example, one of the things that really resonated with me as a projector, um, is the fact that we're considered a non-energy type. Now hearing me talk, you can hear I'm actually very high energy, mm -hmm. but we're talking about auric energy and the energy that we put out and the energy that we take in from others. And so I'm what we call a non-energy type. So when I'm around crowds, I'm around other people, I do need to decompress. I do need to honor my rest and I do need to take mm -hmm. naps when my body is telling me that I need them. So when I heard that about projectors, I was like, what? That's so weird. So if you guys are nappers or you're not nappers, if you can relate to the fact of like, if you ever laid down to take a nap and then you wake up and you feel worse than when you laid down yep. or you wake up and you didn't mean to take a nap and you're like, Oh my gosh, I should have been cleaning. I should have been doing this. I should have been doing that. And as a stay at home mom well, work from home mom, but I have been able to stay at home. Um, you feel there's this guilt attached to it. So mm -hmm. as soon as I found yeah. out I was a projector and I was just like, wait a second, I don't need to feel guilty about this. My body literally needs this. And then also finding out my children are all generators. They all are huge, huge sacral energy. Mm -hmm. And so I'm taking on their energies. And so then when they go off to school, I need to decompress. And I wasn't understanding that. And so it gave me this permission to be like, wait, this makes sense why I get tired in the afternoon, even if I had a full night's sleep. This makes sense why I, when I push for a hard goal, or I'm trying to do something and I achieve it, then all of a sudden I need to like, it's like I withdraw and all of this stuff just really clicked with me. And so seeing it on the blueprint of our lives, of our soul, it's mm -hmm. really amazing to take those aspects and understand the different parts of them and forgive yourself for things and give yourself those permissions. So once I recognize that's a part of who I am, I've not had one unsatisfying nap. <laughs> I've not had one guilt-ridden nap. I yes. just embrace it as myself. And another thing I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate to, my entire life I've been told that I'm so emotional. Like, oh, oh, Jenny's crying again. Oh, look, she's pouting. Oh, look, she's, you know, oh, chi-chi baby, chi-chi baby. You know, oh, that's what my uncles used to always say to me. Um, but, you know, I, I got into this place where I started defending my, my, my emotions and being like, you know, being like, Oh, I, I'm only crying. Cause you made me, or like, I'm not crying even though I'm clearly crying. Yeah. And I remember a conversation, sorry to my husband putting him on blast right now, <laughs> but I remember a conversation after I found out about human design and he said to me in, in a disagreement, he was just like, Oh, here you go being emotional again. And I just remember I turned to him and I was just like, you know what? you no longer get to use my emotions against me. They are a part of me. They are who I am and they are how I connect. And so mm. if we're in a disagreement or an argument, you don't get to use that against me anymore because it no longer has the power that it used to. I'm not, I, it, it, it doesn't offend me for you to call me emotionally more. And he really heard that and he's never said it again, you know, and, the, and everybody in my life, it's just taking back who I know I am and not letting anybody tell me that. So I can look at a chart and I can see themes running through a chart. I know what the gates are so I can look at it and I can, and know all these different things about somebody. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in session with somebody and they just look at me and I'm just, at first I'm looking at them back and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this isn't landing at all. I think that, I think they must be really conditioned and this isn't, they're not, they're not feeling any of this in reality. They're just in awe of what I'm telling them and yeah. they're in of like, wow, I've been made to feel bad about that. Or, oh my gosh, you know, people don't understand that about me. And, and I'm just like, well, I do. I do understand that about you. And I, I'm giving you, not that you need my permission, but I'm giving you permission to step into that and basically tell the rest of the world, this is who I am. And this is how I'm showing up. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. Oh, so beautiful. Just that ability to like, have your power back and that permission and just be yourself and fully understand all of those intricacies that you might not understand. Oh, so good. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It is that. And like I said, that is 100% what drew me to this was the permission that it gave me in just 
you know, researching things for a couple of hours on the internet, you know, and then I really dove in and I started learning more and I started learning more about those around me and how to connect with them better based on their design, how to help them step into their power. And then it's just evolved as, as, as it has. That's so beautiful. So, um, let's go into the different design types. Okay, perfect. Um, so traditionally there's four different types, but one mm -hmm. of them is kind of um, split into, and I'll talk about both of those. Um, so the most popular type is generators. That's and <laughs> that's you, that is you. I actually have your chart pulled up right here. So we could, if we wanted to talk about some things about you or some things about me, that could be fun too. Um, cool. So we, we have generators um, and they're split between generators and manifesting generators. Um, but they're still, they still follow the same guidelines. Mm -hmm. um, so the generators are here to basically make things happen in this world. So what defines a generator is having their sacral center defined. Mm -hmm. And so the sacral center is basically like life force energy. So when I say I'm a non-energy being, I don't have my sacral defined. So the beauty of the generators and the manifesting generators is this sacred, sacral life force energy that when they are doing something that they enjoy, they tap into that and they have this power to just kind of go and see something to fruition and carry, carry out a plan. And so you have them and they're here to respond to manifestors, which is another type. And so the manifestors are here to, the, to initiate. They are here to be the idea makers, the, the creators, the people who kind of spark the ideas. Now, the shortfall of the manifestors is they don't have that sacral energy either. So they need the generator to pick up where they leave off and make things happen. And so it's this beautiful like energy dynamic between the two. So like, it's like the man, the, the manifestors kind of throw the ball up and then the generator hits it. And it's just this combination of flow that goes through those two types. And then you have the projectors like myself who are kind of here to guide and manage. So we make sure that everybody's in the right place that they need to be at to make the thing happen and that they're doing it to the best of their ability and in the best way possible. So that's why I feel like guiding people is perfect for me as a projector. And then mm -hmm. we also have um, reflectors and reflectors are the smallest percentage of the population. And mm -hmm. it's just as they sound reflectors are here to reflect back their environment. So they are completely open in their centers. So they can, mm -hmm. they take on the energies, the ideas, the everything of those that they're around. So they are here to reflect back society on the small scale of their inner workings, but then also larger scale of, you know, us as a whole. And so a reflector's job is simply that, to recognize how they feel in a certain situation. And so um, being a reflector does not sound like an easy job. I actually know a handful of reflectors and it's very interesting to hear how they move about their day, how they move about different crowds and how they prepare for that because they are so influenced by environment, but they have to be to fulfill their purpose. So um, going back to the split between generators and manifesting generators, the difference with a pure generator and a manifesting generator is that a, a manifesting generator has a direct link from their throat center to one of the motor centers. And so what that does, it actually allows them to take on a little bit of the manifestors initiating process. However, they still have to follow the generator guidelines of waiting for a response. It has to be a response to something. So you have mm -hmm. all this like generators, like what does it mean to respond? Am I just waiting around? It's like, no, because we always say in human design, you're never not responding. Um, so a generator, as long as you, I always tell my, my clients, as long as you can tether it to something else, as long as it's not a brand new idea, you know, if it's a brand new idea, you put it in a notebook and you file it away until you have that, um, something you can tether it to, to be a response to. Um, but these aren't like hard rules. You know, these are guidelines. This is how you're going to mm -hmm. step into your best alignment. So they all kind of work together. You know, you have the initiators with the manifesting and then you have the generators who kind of like take it over and bring it to life. And then you have the projectors guiding it all. And you have the reflectors reflecting back the situation or society as a whole. Cool. And that's so, just, that's just a kind of just a really 
basic framework. We could go into yeah. deeper into any of those if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually would like to, because I know that this was um, something that came up for me when we did our reading together, um, because I'm a generator and I, I didn't understand fully the to respond. I always thought I had to wait for something bigger to come at me, but you explained it really beautifully. Um, because you said like, even if I get an idea from a post I read on Instagram, that's a response and I can respond that way. Yes. So the, the, I guess I can tell you guys, show you guys a difference. So for a projector, we actually do have to wait. Our strategy is to wait for the invitation. And so um, there's a big difference between waiting for the invitation and just somebody recognizing you. And so if somebody were to say to me, like, oh, wow, you speak so well, you have so much to say, like you should start a podcast. That's just somebody, somebody recognizing something in me. Whereas mm -hmm. an invitation is, you should start a podcast because I would listen. I want to listen. I want to learn from you. Mm -hmm. That's an actual invitation. And so that's actually waiting for something. For a generator, it's just a response. And like, that's why we keep constantly saying, you're never not responding because when you and I are talking, you're responding, you're responding yeah. to what I'm saying. So as long as it's not is this brand new, fresh idea that came out of nowhere, then you're responding. And most likely you are going to be responding. There's not a lot of your, a generator is not really built a manifesting generator has to be a little more cautious because they do have that spark where they do want to initiate. But a pure generator, you're not really built to just have random, you know, burst of ideas and things like that because you are meant to build on things and you are meant to bring mm -hmm. things to life and you are meant to finish things, bring, you know, make them happen. Now, the one thing that I always like to clear up when we talk about generators is you will hear, if you go research this, you will hear generators are the worker bees of human design. And that's really kind of taking away their power because they're not just worker bees. We're not just telling them to show up and like do whatever. No, we want generators to be here and do the thing that lights them up because that makes everything better for the rest of us. That means we're getting, you know, better scientific achievements. That means we're getting better holistic achievements. That means we're getting better everything when we allow generators to step into what lights them up. The worst thing in the world is a burnt out generator, a, yeah. a generator that just has to show up every day because they have to pay the bills. You know, that's not what we want for generators in, in life. They're, they're, they have so much power being able to tap into that sacral energy. And mm -hmm. so making sure that generators understand that to respond is not to sit and wait. Um, the more you're able to, to step into that responding, you know, responding and tapping into your authority also, the more the universe is going to give you all the things. So think of it like this. I actually heard a really good example by one of my favorite people to follow in human design. She mm -hmm. talked about it as the universe is always giving you things. Like, have you ever been to a sushi restaurant where the sushi comes around on a conveyor belt? No, but and, that sounds so cool. <laughs> oh yeah, they're really amazing. So they're making they're making the sushi right there in the middle, and then it comes around on a conveyor belt, and just whatever you want, you kind of pull as it goes by. That is what the universe is doing for generators. The universe is like, here's all these things that you might like, and then your job to respond is you responding to the ones that light you up, the ones that give your sacral center that uh huh, that heck yes, or that mm, that's not for me. Like no, I don't like salmon, you know. So you let that go by on the little conveyor belt, but ooh, yeah. there's some tuna. I'm going to take that. So that's, you're responding to all the different options. It's not waiting for an option to respond to. That's what us projectors are doing. The generators are, here are all these things for you. Now you respond by choosing the one that feels best to you. Which one gives you that uh-huh, heck yes feeling. So you're responding by picking and choosing, not by waiting. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. I love Good. that. <laughs> Give me the tuna. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Quote of the podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's so neat. So if you were to use that same conveyor belt example with some of the other types, how would they differ from the generator? 
Ooh, that's a great question. Um, so a manifester, if we were at a sushi restaurant, the manifester would not accept the conveyor belt. They'd be hollering at the sushi chef from over the over the counter, giving them their order. No, okay. no, no. I would like this and this. <laughs> and they would probably create their own role. And then probably the rest of us would be like, dang, that's a really good role. I want that too. <laughs> um, so that would be a manifester. They would be putting in their own specific order. Um, a projector like myself, I'd probably have to, I'd probably wait for the person next to me to tell me that something was good and invite me to try it. And they'd be like, Hey, this tuna is really good. Like, would you like to try some? Oh, sure. I would love to try that tuna. Mm, this is the best I've ever had. <laughs> and then a reflector would, um, let's see, how would a reflector be in that? A reflector would probably just whatever the people around them were trying, they would try. So they could have that same experience and then give proper feedback on if it was good or not. So yeah, that's I really like neat. those analogies. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. I love that. Those were nice. That was nice. Well, on the spot, I like it. <laughs> and that's, that's so actually good. funnily, funnily enough, that's what I feel like my gift is with human design. If somebody were to pick up a human design book, the language is so technical and there is we like I call it like human design speak because it really is like its own language and I feel like that's yeah. part of my gift with human design is really making it relatable really making it understandable and palatable because what good is information if you can't digest it if you can't understand it and learn how to apply it and so I feel like that is one of my gifts so that was a really fun analogy for me I really liked I really liked doing that that was great <laughs> that was awesome and yeah that absolutely is your gift zone you know um like I think I said it already at the beginning of the podcast here, but you made me be able to understand human design so much better. And uh, because of my reading with you, I was able to actually understand things and realize things that even though people had told, told it to me before, I didn't fully grasp. It was just outside of my full realm of understanding, but you made it relatable. So yeah, absolutely. You're very oh, good at I that. Thank you. I appreciate that. And there's just so much with human design that it's important that you're able to get those, you know, for lack of a better term, like sound bites, you know, that actually yeah. resonate and like sit and make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So um, can we talk about the different centers a bit? Um, yeah, we absolutely can. So um, with the different centers, we have, like I said before, we have the nine centers. We have the head, the ajna, the throat, the chi center, the heart center, the solar plexus, the sacral, the spleen, and the root. So um, the head and the ajna kind of work together, and that's kind of how we filter in and then process information. And so the information comes in the head, and then the ajna is how we kind of process it through. Um, so whether you have this defined or not, if you have it defined, you're going to be kind of fixed in the way that you think. You're going to have very set stance on everything from you know politics to religion and uh, everything in between. You know, you're going to have what morally is right and wrong to you, and there's not going to be a lot of of sway. You know, you know what you know, and those are your beliefs. There's nothing wrong with that. If you mm -hmm. have these centers open, you're kind of more open-minded because it's not black or white. It's kind of gray. And so you can be swayed and that can be good or bad because being open-minded, you can definitely have a tendency to take on what a, another person is thinking an ideal or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But what happens in these open centers, anywhere that we have openness in our chart is the potential for wisdom. If we can use those centers as a screen, those open centers as a screen instead of a sponge, then we can look at it through a lens of all the different possibilities. So head and ajna are for taking in information and processing. And then the throat center is clearly, you know, throat center is always with communication. So mm -hmm. that's our communication center. And so if you have it defined, then you probably, um, you have a fixed communication style. If you have it open, you might not, you might be more fluid. You might actually, um, have conversations with certain people and you act a certain way, have different conversations with other people and you act a certain way. Neither one mm -hmm. means you're a good communicator or a bad communicator. It just means you have a fixed communication style or a more fluid communication style. So depending on who you're having a conversation with, there could be a benefit or a detriment to either. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say, so what I'm picking up here is that no matter what centers, whether you have them open or defined, there's always a, like a, a light side and a dark side to them. So there's always a good and a bad, and it's, it's up to you to navigate 
how you are showing up and how, how you're moving through those and using your gift zones. Absolutely. Yeah. If you know that you have a defined head in Ajna, like you do, (laughs) um, being aware that you can influence others and not using it in a manipulative way. If you're talking to somebody who has an open head in Ajna, making sure you're not using, you know, but then also using that, knowing that you are really fixed in your way of thinking, um, just kind of giving people grace, you know, when the whole, like, I agree to disagree, you know, like having, making sure you have that mentality because you're not going to sway them and they're not going to sway you, that kind of, um, thinking. So yeah, there's, there's positives. I don't really like to use the word negative because I always go into my readings saying that there's nothing negative in our human design charts because mm-hmm. none of us are created to be have negative characteristics. Yeah. Some things can be seen as negative because of how society tells us or how our family raised us or whatever, so we can see them as negative, but there are definitely positives and things to be aware of is kind of how I term it all term term it. But yeah, yeah. Um, positives and then things to be aware of because absolutely we want to be aware of the fact that we can be overbearing or we want to be aware of the fact that we can be manipulated. Um, so we want to be aware of those things for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, did I answer that for you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, perfect. <laughs> just so you guys know, we're working from the, the top of the chart down. So yes, <laughs> the, the head and Ajna are like the first two yeah. symbols. Yeah. 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 You'll often hear the, um, Ajna called the mind center also, but I think Ajna is just such a cool word. I just, I prefer Ajna over mind. So, (laughs) but yeah, the head and Ajna kind of work together. Um, and then the throat throat center manifestation can also also lives in the throat center, um, and our connection to the spiritual world. So again, that doesn't mean that if we have it defined, we have a connection or if we have it open, you know, we don't, when you have it open, like I said, there's actually more space for wisdom. So you can have a very strong connection. You just got to filter out any, any influence in there to help you clear out the channels for that. Yeah. So then below the throat center, we have the G center and the G center is all about identity and self-love. So this is like, I know who I am. I, you know, if you have this defined, I know who I am. I'm stable in who I am. When you're sitting alone at the end of the day, you're like, I am, and you can list all your characteristics and you really feel like that embodies you. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have the G center open, um, with this open, it actually means that you don't have that fixed sense of self, but that's not a bad thing. It doesn't have to be confusion. It means you get to sample different things, right? You can find, you can explore different hobbies and like kind of figure out who you are in different lenses. And, you know, we, we, you talk about, you hear about people being like chameleons in different scenarios. They can just fit in anywhere. So somebody with an open G center can just fit in anywhere. So again, it's not that one is better than the other. Mm -hmm. It's how you use it. So somebody with a defined G center can help others actually feel more themselves. One of my favorite readings I did, I did a husband and wife and her whole chart was defined except for her G center. And one of the first things I said to them when I looked at their charts side by side, he had a defined G center. And I said, I bet when you're around him, you feel like you're more yourself, even though the rest of your chart is so defined and you're so uniquely you, but I bet when you're around him, you feel like you can really step into yourself. And they both kind of just looked at me and looked at each other she goes, I tell him all the time that he makes me feel like myself when I'm with him. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And it was like a really powerful moment for like all three of us that I could just see that between their charts. Mm -hmm. So that's like a gift that those of us with defined G centers, you have a defined G center. Mm -hmm. I have a defined G center. And so we just make people feel more comfortable um, in themselves when they're around our energy. So that's actually a great little gift that we get to give them. Um, But it's also a gift to have it open and be able to be Mm -hmm. that chameleon and move through different types of people in different scenarios and, and not feel lost or not feel stuck in, in, you know, one way of thinking or one way of being and existing. So both are great. Um, And then just to the right of that, um, we have the heart center. And just like I said, the head and Ajna kind of work together. The G center and the heart center kind of work together also. Um, The G center is all about that self-love and self-worth. But then the heart center is all about um, exterior self-worth. So we have the self-love of the G center and the self-worth of the heart center. So it's like the internal love I feel for myself and the external love, validation, and worth that I feel from the outside world. 
-hmm. So in the heart center is healthy sense of ego, um, willpower, and that self-worth. Now, what's interesting about the heart center is society values all of those things. They want us to have a healthy sense of ego. They want us to have willpower to go and, and to go do the thing. And mm -hmm. they want us to have like, you know, have self-worth. However, the majority of the population has this center open. And mm -hmm. so we, we praise and we value this, these characteristics that only about, it's a weird definition, it's like 12 to 22, it's kind of a range, 12 to 22% of the population has. Only 12 to 22% of the population even have this defined, yet we hold these characteristics so high in society. And so what happens in the center when you do have it open, you see a lot of classic people pleasing, mm -hmm. um, because what happens with the lack of consistent tapping into self-worth is that say like you're a child and you write a school paper and your teacher gives you so much praise. Wow. Your, your paper on frogs was so good. And they use you as an example that feels good to somebody with an open heart center. So yeah. what are they going to do next time? Next time the report is on butterflies, they're going to make sure that they do extra hard because they're chasing that high of that recognition and acknowledgement that they did of a job well done because mm -hmm. they don't have their own sense of self-worth to tap into. They yeah. need it from the exterior. So we have classic people pleasing here. So um, we don't want people to feel like they have something to prove. So what I tell all of my open heart centers, which is a lot of people, is that you have nothing to prove. You are made exactly as you are meant to be, and you're not meant to chase that high. You are meant to have the open heart center to be fluid with that stuff, to be fluid, to be more like nonchalant about self-worth. I don't need a consistent sense of self-worth. I am who I am. And, and having that ability of telling yourself, I don't have anything to prove to anybody and to not chase that high of people pleasing. So if you're a people pleaser, you probably have an open heart center. That's me, right? <laughs> it is you. Yes, yeah, you do have an open heart center. Yes, <laughs> you do have an open heart center. Um, but what's really great is as you start to learn more about this, because willpower does live here too. Um, if you, especially somebody like you, you already have the sacral energy. So if you're sitting with somebody who has a defined heart center, you should actually feel yourself feeling more, I hate to use the word driven because drive is actually down in the root center, but for all intents and purposes, we'll go ahead and talk about it. <laughs> drive to like get things done. So mm -hmm. if you ever have like a deadline or something, just sit next to somebody with an open heart or with a defined heart center and they will, they will get you there. They will get you to get it done because they have that consistent willpower that you can just tap right into. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so that, that I, I always like to point out the fact that not a lot of society even has this. And so don't kill yourselves to make other people happy. Don't, you know, put pressure on yourself to like prove yourself because your worth is not determined by anybody else. So, um, and that, like I said before, with the conditioning, we have the nature versus nurture. The nature would be anything that's defined, um, in you already. That's your nature. That's who you are. And then the nurture is your upbringing and your environment. And so if you weren't raised in a very loving home that recognized you often, then that having this open center can be, you know, something that you really need to work on deconditioning and really telling yourself, I have nothing to prove. I have nothing to prove as often, as many times a day as you feel like you need to. Um, okay. So then moving on, we have the, um, solar plexus and this is where like emotions live. This is our main center for emotions and having, um, a, an open or defined emotional center is kind of how we relate with, um, emotions as far as others go. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who, um, I have the center defined, it's actually also my authority. Um, and so with having this center defined, we live our lives in an emotional wave and with this emotional wave comes, um, really high highs and really low lows. But mm -hmm. what we do know is that the emotions are mine. And so a lot of times people who are really emotional and connect with other people, they might think that they are being empathetic. But if you have this center defined, you're not actually being empathetic because the version of empathy is taking on somebody else's emotions. And so having this center open is actually what makes somebody an em like empathetic emotionally. And there's other places in our chart that we can be, have empathy, but I'm talking about emotional empathy. 
So if you have this open in your chart, then you literally are taking on the emotions of other people. And that's what we say empathy is. And so you might be having a conversation with a friend and maybe they just lost a pet. And then all of a sudden you, the conversation is over and you've gone your own ways. And now you have this sadness and you're kind of approaching the rest of your day from this lens of sadness. And you're like, Ooh, why is that? Like nothing sad happened to me. Like, yeah, you know, my friend, she was sad, but then you realize like, Oh my gosh, I can't shake the sadness because you've actually taking on their emotions. Mm-hmm. Now myself having it defined, I can still get there with somebody because I'm a highly emotional person, but I'm, I'm re-experiencing my own emotions and getting on their level to sympathize with them. So that's the difference between sympathy and empathy. I'm not taking on their emotions. I'm re-experiencing my own because I have this full range of emotion to like take from to have, that I have experience of. Whereas somebody with this open needs to be more cautious. Again, not being a sponge, but using it as a screen to filter through. So when you end that encounter that had any kind of negative emotion, whether it's anger, sadness, or whatever, that you can kind of like figure out whatever the process is going to be for you to like kind of wash it away. Just like get rid, recognize. I always say to my clients, recognize and release, recognize that it wasn't your emotion and you don't have to continue to carry it. And like, then change your emotion, do something that makes you happy or do something that, you know, Mm -hmm. will change that for you because that emotion isn't yours. And anytime you have these open centers and we take on anything from anybody else, not only do we take them on, but we have a tendency to amplify them. Mm -hmm. So you might call your friend if you don't figure out how to like clear that out of you, you might call your friend a couple hours later and she's doing much better. And you're still sat with the sadness that was her sadness to begin with. And it affects you so much more because you've amplified it. Yeah. So any other questions about the solar plexus? I don't think so. Okay, then we'll move on. Um, So the sacral, I kind of already talked about a little bit as when we were talking about generators. So this is Mm -hmm. literally life force energy. This is one of our four motor centers. And this is the main one. This is like what drives the world basically. And that's why you have 70% of the population is generators and they have this sacral energy. But again, we're not tapping into the full power of our sacral energy unless we're doing something that literally lights us up. You know, you hear like, like do something that sparks joy in you, you know, do, like do something that sets your soul on fire. And like, that's what we're talking about. This sacral energy, like doing what you love so much that It just lights you up and you could work from eight in the morning until 8 PM and not even think twice about it because you are just so in the zone. You're just in the zone with the sacral energy and you're basically your job is to like burn that energy off as the day goes on. And if you're not lighting it up, you're not going to burn it completely by the end of the day. So yeah, life force energy in the sacral center. This is very, very powerful center for people who have this to tap into. Um, there, there's instinctual, um, stuff lives here too, but not our basic instincts. That'll be the spleen, which we'll go over next. But for people who have sacral authority, this is where they're going to tap into that uh 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 response. So, um, this is where they get that guidance for, you know, if something is for them or not. So then moving on to the splenic center, this is our most ancient center. This is, um, basic fear and, um, in, and survival instincts live here in this center. So it's our most primitive center. Um, when we have this open, um, obviously we're susceptible to taking on other people's fears and things like that. Um, so we want to be careful with that. Um, also basic well-being lives here, like our basic foundation for, um, living, you know, like health wise. Mm -hmm. So what I tell people, if they do have this center defined is to make sure you're going to regular doctor's appointments. Cause if you do have this center defined, you're probably used to for the majority of the time feeling pretty healthy and pretty okay. So the last thing you want is not going to doctor's visits because you just feel okay and something manifesting and being way worse than it needed to be like a cold turning into pneumonia because you just didn't want to go to the doctor. It's like, Oh, this Mm -hmm. will pass. This will pass. Just making sure you're going to your regular doctor visits. I always say that for people who have it defined because it's just something to be aware of. You know, you don't want something to be worse because you're used to feeling healthy. Um, so yeah, so just fears live here. I actually, um, have a really cool little assessment that I do, um, with all these different gates that are coming out of here. They all have different, um, fears attached to them. There's Mm -hmm. also fears that live in our Ajna and also in our solar plexus. And then we have pressures in our root center. So it's really cool to look at the different fears in your chart because you, 
people who listen to your podcast are obviously spiritual people. So they've been doing probably some kind of growth or self, um, self work and things like that. And we hear so many times like, Oh, fear doesn't serve you. You have to get rid of fear. If you're going to live in love, you have to get rid of fear. If you're going to achieve, you have to get rid of fear. And there's so much pressure to just get rid of all fear, but mm, yeah. that's not, that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. You can look at a human design chart and I can see where fears are and what, and, and how you can use us. So then what we do, with a fear assessment is we take the fears that belong to you and we learn how to embrace them and switch them as motivators, whether that's through a mantra that we tell ourselves when they're creeping up. It's just a different way to look at it. That fear is in you for a reason. One of my favorite fears to share is the 28th gate. And the reason I love sharing this fear is because I don't have it. And so I don't connect with it. But everyone who I read that has the 28th gate, they really resonate. You don't have it either, by the way. Okay. <laughs> um, um, it resonates with them so much. And so the 28th gate is the fear of dying. But it's mm. not just the fear of not existing anymore. It's more like the fear of dying without having served your purpose or leaving things unfinished. And anybody mm. who has that 28th gate, they are like, oh my gosh, that a hundred percent. Like it keeps me up at night or, you know, like I I'm terrified of this. I'm terrified of that. And it all kind of connects to that. And so taking that fear of dying without having served your purpose and just switching it to a different lens of thinking Mm -hmm. of something like, okay, it's not that you're afraid of dying without having served your purpose. It is there to motivate you to continue to pursue your purpose and never give up. Don't get lazy. Don't get, you know, complacent on serving your purpose because you are here to serve a purpose. And that fear is there to continue to motivate you to serve that purpose, not to make you feel like you're not going to serve it, but to keep making you push forward to serve it. Now, what you do have is you have the flip side of that. You have the 38, which is a pressure to continue to serve your purpose. So when I'm talking about that, you might've resonated with you a little bit, maybe not so much on the death side, but the pressure side, because you actually have that on both your personality and your design side. So um, there's that pressure to fulfill your purpose and to know what it is and to continue and go on that road of fulfilling that purpose. So, um, but yeah, so these fear assessments, they are so powerful because it really allows you to recognize the fears that belong to you. And then also on the flip side of that, if you have, you have fears that don't belong to you, those are the ones we then work on getting rid of. If fear of rejection doesn't show up in your chart, well then let's find out where it was conditioned into you and let's reverse engineer that and get rid of that fear because that fear doesn't serve you. It literally is not in your chart. It does not serve you. And so it's, you know, this like, I want to say twofold, but it's almost threefold, you know, it's recognizing the fears that are yours, Mm -hmm. changing those fears into motivators, and then recognizing the fears that aren't yours and doing the deep shadow work to figure out where those were imprinted on you and how to get rid of those. So all of that starts in the splenic center. That's cool. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so then we have um, our final center, which is oh, the root center. And in the root center, um, this is like um, drive ambition. And the main thing that I always talk about with this center, because it seems to connect with people the most, is like timeliness. So if we have this open, um, there's going to be a lot of pressure from others to like, uh, for like time frames for like, I need an answer now. I need a project done now. And we might not know with this center open what that pressure is all about. And so rather than an example, if your boss tells you, I need this done in 48 hours, somebody with an open center, um, in their route, they might not even be focused on getting the work done in a correct way. They're just focused on getting it done in that timely manner. So they might go back in three hours and be like, here you go. Here's the report. And your boss looks it over and is just like, no, this isn't right. You know? And like, because all you could focus on was that timeliness and like Mm. making sure you got everything done because all you're focused on is that time pressure. Like got to get it done. Got to get it done. Got to get it done versus the actual work itself. Yeah. Um, and because this is a pressure center, we also want to be aware that, um, depression can be held in this center also, um, because the root and the, um, and the head are both pressure centers. So when we think of anxiety and depression, anxiety lives in the head center and depression lives in the root center. So that's not to say if you have it defined, you will have depression, or if you have it open, you will have depression. It can happen in either one because we take on from other people and we can expand it. But there are definitely things that we can 
be aware of and not let the depression like sink in. Um, like looking at your chart, like, um, there's on the 53rd gate, you have that. And something that comes along with the 53rd gate is um, the desire for um, things to be cyclical, like have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And so it's like these beginnings and then wanting things to be cyclical. And like, that's like a, uh, not, I don't want to say problem solving because we do that up in the head Ashna, but um, solution oriented. And so it's cyclical. So when that process gets stopped, we can end up having like um, kind of depressive thoughts because it feels like you were stunted. And yeah. so wanting things to be able to have cycled through. And then if that doesn't happen, it can, you know, so being aware of something like that, it really mm -hmm. helps with knowing like, okay, well, not everything has to have a beginning, middle and end, but you want them to. And so then there's that pressure that kind of can build there. So again, anytime, whether you have an open or defined um, root center, finding those things that are going to expel those pressures out, recognizing the pressures, just like mm -hmm. we recognize the fears, knowing what belongs to you and what doesn't belong to you is really important important in, in making sure that we can keep those channels as clear as possible. And so that we're only working with what's truly meant for us. I think that was all the centers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was so good. Thank you so much, Jenny. <laughs> no problem. Uh, I'm sure you guys might be feeling a little overwhelmed and that's totally okay. <laughs> no, it's so much information, you guys. I apologize. That is the centers though. That is a little bit deeper of a dive than, um, yeah. you know, than, than normal talk. Normally we would just talk about like, um, type strategy and authority. Um, but the centers, they're very important. They're very, very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just, just deepens your, your understanding of how things work and who you are. And like, it just, oh, just goes so much deeper. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It yeah. really does. <laughs> I love that you went into even talking about like the, the, a couple of the gates and giving examples of how, um, just how to navigate them and like how they might manifest in one way versus another way when, when you have gates defined or undefined. And it's just, I like, I, I like that you went into that because I think it's very helpful um, for us to know. And Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, can you just briefly explain what a gate is? Um, so if you're looking at a human design chart and you're seeing like the, we call it the body graph, um, the gates are just different points coming out of the centers and they all just kind of have different meanings that relate to that gate. So, or relate to that center, I apologize. Um, it's basically the, the lens that we use surrounding that. So like if we're looking at the um, the head and there's like three gates coming out of the head. And so one of the gates is logical. One of them is more interpersonal and one of them is abstract. So that is the lens or lenses. If you have more than one that you will filter through information. And so you actually have a logical and an abstract one. So that means that you prefer to take in information in a logical and an abstract way. And so you take that in and that's how you filter it in. Now other people might have the, uh, a more interpersonal one. So they take in their experiences on how it is affecting them. And that's how they kind of learn. That's how they kind of filtered in. Now, whether you have it defined or undefined, it doesn't matter. It's still the lens that you are taking in the information for that individual center. Interesting. Okay. Yes. And then we have each channel, um, so each gate has a, an opposing gate. And when you have both of those sides, it forms a channel. And so you have the gate on one side and then the gate on the other side. Um, and they each have their own definition. And then when they merge, it heightens both of those. Um, so you'll, they'll be more prevalent to you. And they also, it's not that they form a new meaning. It's just a melded meaning when you have that, the, the two gates there. Um, another interesting thing is when you do have one side of the channel defined and then the other side open, we call that a hanging gate. That hanging gate is a characteristic that you're going to find attractive in other people because um, it kind of bridges that gap. And so you're going to find those characteristics attractive in friendships, romantic partners, and things like that. Interesting. And yes. the, the, um, the channels that's from one center to another center. Yes. Yeah, yes, okay. absolutely. And then when you have a channel that actually is what defines those centers. When you have a channel between two centers, it defines or lights up those two centers. Oh, okay. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> So if it defines, if you have a channel, so both gates are active and it, that is what defines the center. So then how would you have a hanging gate? I'm, I think I'm misunderstanding this. 
Because not all gate, you don't have gates activated on both sides of everything. Oh, I see. So it'd be just one side, one gate is active. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Most people have um, between one and six channels in their chart, whereas they have about um, 13 to 22 gates. And so it just so happens in the moment that you were born, which ones were, which gates were activated and if they happen to connect or if they have hanging gates on the other side. Interesting. Cool. (laughs) Well, this has been so good, Jenny. Thank you so much for all of this amazing information. Of course. It's seriously my pleasure. I know we went pretty deep in that. Um, And so um, hopefully we didn't lose people and they can actually relate and resonate with um, some of the things that we said. I think that there's lots of information to be had um, within just human design charts in general, including, um, you know, the basic things that we go over is we have the type, which we did go over. And then you have your strategy, which we kind of touched on with the generator, the to respond. And for projectors, it is um, waiting for the invitation. Each type has their own strategy. And then we also have authority, which is the way we should be making decisions um, through human design. Um, I don't know that we have time to go into those, but that is a very important part of human design is we always say strategy, which is attached to your type, and then authority is your decision-making process. And those are the two big things in human design um, on how to live the most aligned um, life that you can. And we also have our profile, which is how we kind of show up in the world. And that's really interesting to dive into too. You and I both have the one line, uh, you're a one three and I'm a one four. And mm-hmm. so that's the investigator. And so we um, just want to learn all the things. And I think it's so great for you to be, have a podcast where you're featuring other people to mm-hmm. showcase things. And, you know, through that you're learning. And yes. um, so, but the other thing I wanted to bring up, cause I thought it was really funny was along with the one line, and maybe you can connect with this too, but along with the one night line comes this, um, we call it like the, um, the imposter syndrome. And yeah. even though, yeah, you can relate. Okay. Yes. And so we spend all this time like learning and learning and learning, but we never feel like it's enough to be an authority on the figure. And the more we know, the louder the imposter syndrome gets. And so when I was getting ready to come on this podcast, I was like, I'm so nervous. And all my friends were like, you know what you're talking about. You are, you are an expert in human design. Why are you so nervous? I'm like, cause I'm a one line. It's the <laughs> imposter syndrome. Who am I to talk about this? Who am I to do this? You know? So I think it's, funny that we're both one lines and I love that you can connect with that too. So I really was nervous coming into this because of that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. I I definitely relate to that so much. I always feel like I know so much and then I also know nothing and I have to read a million more books on a subject. Yes. So at yes. some point you just have to go and take messy action because otherwise you're just going to keep spinning there. So. Oh yeah. And you have like you with the one, three, your three line is all about trial and error and experiential knowledge and stuff like that. So you just have this huge combination of just like learned knowledge and then experiential knowledge. And it just makes for such a great dynamic, just like of life experiences and book learn. Oh, it's just a beautiful combination. I love one yeah. threes. Well, I feel so special. <laughs> you are. <laughs> so uh, is there anything else that we need to know about human design? Is there any last things we need to touch on? You know, honestly, I just, I hope that after everybody hears this, that they just go look up their chart, learn what they can, understand your type and your strategy and your authority and, um, you know, dive into your profile numbers, all that stuff, because it really is a game changer from the very first thing that we said in the beginning was the permission that it gives you. Mm -hmm. I want that for everyone. Literally learning about human design changed the course of my life. It's not only just, um, obviously professionally, because now this is what I do professionally, but like individually, like I can't tell you how many people are just like see pictures of me on social media. They're just like, oh my gosh, like you're shining, like you're glowing, like what changed? And I'm like, well, I wash my face now, but also, <laughs> also I learned about human design and I'm stepping into myself and I'm, I'm embracing who I am and, and disregarding who I'm not. And, you know, taking yeah. my power back. I just, I hope that whoever's listening to this, you go look at your chart, figure it out and, you know, step into it. Amazing. (laughs) 
Um, so what's the best, uh, what's the best place to look up your chart? Is that the mybodygraph.com? Um, yeah, you can look at jovianarchive.com or mybodygraph.com. They're from the same company. Um, and those are the ones that I use. There's a couple more out there. Um, they're all accurate, but those are, um, those are the main sites that I send people to, uh, jovianarchive or mybodygraph.com. Perfect. And Jenny, how would, uh, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Um, to connect with me, um, usually Instagram is a really good one. Um, it's at Jenny Ryerson, um, J E N N I R I E R S O N. Um, I do have a website. It's enlighten the F up.com and it's F is E F F it's spelled out. Um, and yeah, you can get more information there. Um, I put stuff on social media out about, so about human design. I'm more than happy to answer any questions people have. You can book readings with me. Um, I do one-on-one coaching with a human design lens. I also Mm -hmm. offer six week deep dives into human design where, um, you know, I started with just doing my foundation readings and then I realized that it's, you know, it's interesting to do that and it's fun to learn, but if you're not applying it, then you might as well have just read your horoscope for the day. So I, I created these other, these other platforms where I get to actually walk you through the process of starting your deconditioning through a deep dive into your chart. It's a six week thing. Or Mm -hmm. I have like my three month package where we work one-on-one more like coaching and with the human design lens. So we're not always looking at your chart, but we're referring back to it. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, lots of things that I offer. So, and I'm happy to answer any questions, you know, that it's, it's really confusing. I talked earlier about the fact that, um, human design has its own language. So if you went out and read books or if you even watch some videos, it can get really confusing. And I'm happy to clear any of that up for you guys. I'm literally here. It's, it's my, it's my honor to share my gift with others. Amazing. Well, thank you again, Jenny, so much for being on the podcast. Um, the links for everything, if you guys want to get in touch with Jenny, will be in the show notes. I highly recommend booking a session with her. And if you want to dive deeper, definitely take advantage of her coaching and her, um, her six-week deep dive program. It sounds amazing. And thank you again so much because this was so informative and you just have such a beautiful way of explaining everything. I love the sushi analogy. That's, <laughs> I, I think my too. new I'm favorite. Bar- my, me too. I'm borrowing that. I'm borrowing it. <laughs> well, it's yours. So <laughs> borrow it. <laughs> well, I mean, I did already borrow it, but then the, uh, the question you asked for the others, for the other types, perfection, I'm going to definitely steal that. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, thank you again so much. This was just such a pleasure and um, we will catch everyone else in the next episode. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today on the soul service podcast. Do you want to feel powerful, vibrant, and happy in your daily life? Get in on my free walk your path to power challenge. Head on over and join me at AnastasiaBurtnick.com forward slash power. If you love what you heard today, I would be over the moon if you could leave me a five-star review and subscribe over on iTunes. I want to help as many people as I can, and I can't do it without your support. I'll see you on the next episode.